It's three weeks since we've uh, been in this uh, evening series and you recall that we've been considering uh, what is meant in Psalm chapter 40 verse 5 where it talks about the wonderful works which God has done. And you'll recall that I've said that historically many theologians have placed the works of God under three broad headings. They've talked about the work of God in creation, the work of God's providence, and his work of redemption. And so they're the the three broad headings that we're using to pause at verse 5 and consider what this means, the wonderful works that God has done. And three weeks ago, we looked at the topic of providence and just considered together what it actually is. What do we actually mean when we talk about the providence of God? And, uh, well, that was three weeks ago. Some of you might need a little bit of a reminder. So let me just summarize some of the thoughts that I shared with you as to what the providence of God actually is. But then we need to think much more specifically of what that therefore actually means in reality for you and I. Well, we said first of all that God, because he's supremely wise and holy, because he exists in infinite power and wisdom, he has created all things, but doesn't just create them. He upholds them, directs them, controls and governs them, all things great or small. He does this according to his infallible knowledge and the free and unchangeable decisions of his will, all decided in himself. He fulfills the purposes for which he created them. His wisdom, his power and his justice and his goodness and mercy, all of these things might be seen and glorified in the things that he's done. Nothing happens by chance. Nothing occurs outside the sphere of God's providence. We might say that God is the first cause of all events and all according to his foreknowledge and his decree. Yet by his providence, God so controls them He can utilise any part of his creation for his purposes. We said that ordinarily, in his providence, God makes use of means that are familiar to us. He generally works in familiar ways. But he's free to work outside of those ways. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he even works contrary to them but he has his purposes and reasons for doing so. We said that God's almighty power and his unsearchable wisdom and his infinite goodness, they're so far-reaching that both the fall of the first man into sin and all other sinful actions all proceed according to his sovereign purposes. There's not this other thing going on over there that somehow lies outside. And it's not merely that God gives his permission. He wisely and powerfully limits 
and orders and governs sinful actions so that they affect all of his holy will. And in these and other ways, all of God's holy and just purposes are all being worked out in the world. And so for us as Christian people, we can say with absolute certainty that everything that happens to you and to me is by his appointment for our good and for his glory. God has a general providence that reaches out to all of creation. But he also has a very special providence which is directed towards his church, directed towards his people. All things controlled providentially by the Lord for the good of his church. So that's, if you, if you like, is the theory that lies behind it. But what does that actually mean in practice? What difference is that actually making in your life? What difference has that been making in your life? We're actually going to take three weeks to think about this because we need to look at it from a few different ways. First of all, let's begin with three things this evening. Number one, the providence of God is what has resulted in the person that you are. The person that you are, the fact that you even arrived in this world, is all down to God's providence. Turn to Psalm 139. Some of you will have guessed the verses I'm taking you to. Some of you, when we get there, will say, oh, I, yes. Psalm 139, from verse 13. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and listen to this in your book they were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them the person that you are the person that you will ever be in this life all the things that you will ever do or achieve, all governed by the providence of God. Have you arrived in this world with two arms, two legs, five fingers, five toes? Or perhaps have you not? Do you have two working eyes and ears? 
Or perhaps do you not? Have you, for the most part, lived a healthy life? Or perhaps have you not? All of these things are in God's providence over you. All of them. Let me, st- let me say from the start, as we start to make our way through this, some of you will be thinking to yourself, but surely that means there are some providences of God that are difficult to bear. Yes. And that will be our theme in two weeks' time. We're not going to try and hide away from that one. We need to address it, and we will. Some of God's providences are difficult to bear, but that does not make them any less part of God's providence. So those of you born with a healthy and a well-functioning body will readily rejoice over God's goodness to you in that regard, or at least you should, because that's God's kind gift to you. What about those for whom that's not the case? What about those who've known only physical difficulties and challenges their whole life through? Well, if that's a big issue for you, make sure you're here in two weeks' time. We'll consider that. It's an important question. As things stand for most of you, that's not the case. You you hold your hands in front of you. There's two of them. You can count the digits, one to ten, yes. You're looking at them with two good eyes, even if through a pair of spectacles. You're hearing my voice with both of your ears, although one or two of them may need a little bit of extra amplification. Is it not the case that you have every reason to wonder and marvel and rejoice at what God has done for you. That's all of him. Your physical body, with all of its natural aptitudes and abilities, is what it is because that is precisely how God has made you to be. Are you more the intellectual or are you more the practical type? Are you good at sports? Or was PE the lesson you dreaded the most at school? Are you gregarious and outgoing? Or are you the more timid type? Every aspect of your being is as God made you to be. As he formed you in your mother's womb. You are the work of his hands. He it was that brought you through full gestation and saw you safely delivered into this world. Martin Luther told the story of two cardinals who were travelling to attend a council. That's kind of what they used to call a conference, if you will. 
And along the way, as they were traveling, they heard a man crying and wailing bitterly in a field somewhere. So they had the driver of their coach stop. They got out and they went to find the man. And when they found him, they found him in floods of tears, weeping intently, looking at a toad on the ground. And they asked him, what on earth are you crying for? Why are you so upset? He said his heart was melted through with this one thought, that God had not chosen to make him the toad. That's God's providence. The Bible teaches there is no place either for pride or for regret as to the person that you are. No place for that. Just for repentance from your sins. If God has blessed you with a fit and healthy body, with a sound and active mind, how thankful you should be to him every single day. And because these things are all of him, you therefore have a duty to him to use all of your skills and talents and abilities to be the kind of man and woman that God would have you be, to do the good that he would have you do to his praise and to his glory, because you are all of him. We see from Psalm 139, all of your life was fashioned for you. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Even before the day that would become your birthday, every day, known to the Lord and marked out for you by him. What a remarkable thought that is. And so as we think about this then, another thought comes into view. Another great performance of God's providence concerns the place and the time of your birth. The fact that you were born at all is God's providence. So too is the place and the time that you were born. Why were you born? Where you were born? Why were you born? When you were born? Why last century or this and not another? Why the country you were born in? Why that town or city? Now, you talk to most people about these things. Well, they'll say, what on earth are you talking about, man? These things are completely random. There's no one. There's nothing controlling such things as this. As to when and where you were born. Really? They're not the least bit random. Not the least bit. 
about where you were born. And then look at your TV screen and the images you see in your newspapers from all around the globe and look at all the other options. You may look at some places with envy. Ooh, why wasn't I born there? The Bible will not permit you to think such things. It's God who placed you here, not there. Look at some of the other places and realise what horrors might have been yours, but you have been spared. Why have you been spared them? And your heart should be humbled that the hand of God has spared you from some of the places in the world that could be your home right now. Open up your history books and wonder at why God brought you into the world in this generation and not in another. Read of all the times of conflict between great nations. Read about times of great poverty and deprivation. Read about times of great wickedness in the world. Read about times of great suffering and hardship and exploitation. Read about times when everything was just so primitive compared to the life that you live today. The amenities that you enjoy, the technologies that you simply take for granted and that you think you can't possibly live without. And in many places today, those things remain the reality. How so very different your life would have been if you had been born then or there. But you weren't. You were born here and now. And all of that is under the hand of God for you. Here you are today in 21st century Britain. And for all of our problems and difficulties, what a blessed and privileged and pampered and luxurious life you live compared to most other people who've ever walked this planet. Why here? Why now? Why with white skin? Or black skin? Or any other colour in between? It is all God's doing. All according to his purposes. The person you are. When and where you were born. We read in Acts chapter 17, He's made us from one blood, every nation of men, to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. And that, therefore, also includes the family you were born into. The person you are, the place and the time of your birth, 
And even the family you were born into, not an accident, not by chance, the outworking of the providence of God. So what was your family like? What is your family like? Rich or poor? Famous or unknown? Royalty or commoner? You often wonder about those royal babies when they get born, don't you? When the day suddenly dawns, which family they are born into and what that's going to mean for them in the future. A Christian family or a pagan family? God-fearing family or an atheistic family? Those, are who's, those who've been successful or those who in the eyes of the world are just losers? A stable home or a fractured and broken home? Or no home at all, perhaps, for some? Happy and peaceful? Or violent and troubled? Some of you can look back upon your childhood and you think only of love and joy and happiness. When did you ever thank God for that? Because that came from him. For others, they spend all their time trying not to remember because it's just too painful. But even that is the providence of God. Many of you grew up with so many wonderful privileges because of the home God put you in, because of the parents God gave you. But perhaps how infrequently you thank him. For some, it's a miracle of God's grace that they actually made it to adulthood. Well, that's true for all of us, but you understand what I mean. So neglected and abused were they in their childhood and in their youth. It's a wonder they survived it, but they did. And here they are. That's all down to God's providence too. You see, the Bible calls us to really and truly begin to see things from a whole new angle. And from a whole new perspective. Because we see that there is a God who really is over everything. Everything. So those of you who are parents, those of you who are grandparents, God it is who's placed those little ones into your hands. They are the work of his hands and he's placed them into yours. What a fearful privilege and responsibility it is to raise them as he would have you raise them. To instruct them and train them in the things of God and in righteousness and in holiness. In the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. To nurture them in a godly character by instilling into them the truths of God's word and in pointing them to Christ. And as you grow in the relationships that you build with people, 
the friends that God brings into your path. The disposition that God has given you and how you're able to deal with all of those people. The subjects you're good at in education. The path that you may go down in choosing a course of study at university. Your employment. Using the skills and abilities God has given you. Marriage. And the partner God has given you, or perhaps will give you in the future. There is no area of your life that stands outside of God's providence. All of these things have been ordered by him for you. How thankful we should be. How humbled we should be before such a God as this. Every day. Every day. Enjoying God's provision for you. Who here knows what it's like to wake up in the morning and have no food in the house to eat? Who here knows what it is to wake up in the morning and put on the one set of clothes that you own in all the world? What blessings and privileges God has poured out upon you. And yet how ungrateful we can be. And how we so easily forget the hand that gave them to us. And when we truly understand the providence of God in all of these things, then we can truly begin to learn to be content. Be content in the place that God has put you. And faithfully and diligently live for him there serve him there today and tomorrow because it's all God's doing a few weeks ago I mentioned John Flavel's little book on the mystery of God's providence and if you read that book um, he mentions lots of these topics he delves into them in much more detail than I've gone into this evening and probably actually in the kind of detail that doesn't necessarily make a very good sermon, but it makes a very good read. And he just unpacks all of these glorious truths. This is all of God in your life from the very moment you were conceived. And in all of these things that I've been mentioning this evening, for us as believers, there's something else going on. And this will be our main topic next week, because... God is at work for your spiritual good in all of these things. There's a spiritual aspect, a spiritual element to all of this for the Lord's people. So next week we'll think about that. The very special privileges that many of you have enjoyed because of the time and the place that you were born in, the family you were born into and so forth. The fact that you were born in, in such a gospel age as this, when the, when the gospel is freely proclaimed, and so on. We'll think about those issues a little more next week. As I've been thinking through these issues, you can't help when you start to think about this. You, you find yourself looking back at your own life 
and those around you. And you start to think, what are those great providences that I've known? And if you pause, you'll soon readily begin to see them and acknowledge them and accept them. It's never normally recommended that a preacher uses his own life for sermon illustrations. <laughs> but I just want to share a few of the kind of thoughts that I've had as I've thought about this over these last few weeks, thinking about this great topic of the providence of God. And as I mention these things, I can absolutely guarantee many of you will start to think, yeah, I, I can think of the same kind of thing in my own life too. And recognise, yeah, this has been God at work. In such a wonderful way. When I first sat in a pew at Belvedere Road Church, and in those days it literally was a pew, it was May of 1996. If you told me then that in 10 years' time I'd be standing in the pulpit that Stuart Olliot had been standing in, I'd have thought you really had lost the plot. And that perhaps would have been the last time I ever stepped into Belvedere Road Church. But the providence of God was at work. What a most remarkable thing God's providence is. And you see, just like you, I can think back, I can remember all kinds of crossroads that were in my life when another path might have been taken which would have meant that I would never, ever have walked through the doors of Belvedere Road Church, not in May of 1996, or ever. When I was a very young child, my dad worked in the city centre. He worked for a shipping company, the New Zealand Shipping Company. And in the mid-1960s, yeah, I'm giving my age away, but you guessed that anyway. In the mid-1960s, the port of Liverpool was starting to go into decline and the office that my dad worked in announced that they would shortly be closing. But it was the New Zealand shipping company, and my dad was offered a job in New Zealand with free passage over on one of their ships. Well, my dad was as keen as mustard. My mum was dead against it. No prizes for guessing who won that argument. I'm sure they didn't argue. But mum won the day. Did God know that 30 years later, their little toddler son would walk into Belvedere Road Church and that unknown to anyone at the time, there would be a work for him to do there? When I was 19, I was offered the chance to relocate to London with the bank I worked in. Not because I was some blue-eyed boy, but they were really short-staffed in London and they were desperate for anyone. There was a very, a very attractive financial package to relocate down to the capital city. Wow. Well, I considered it. Considered it quite seriously. But I decided not to go. And stayed in Liverpool. Providence of God... When, with a very heavy heart, I knew I had to leave the church I'd grown up in, a place I'd been converted, baptised, married, 
dedicated our children. The Lord had seen fit to give me a wife who was in complete agreement with me. Had that not been the case, how on earth might all that have worked out? Providence of God. And as I say these things, some of you are recalling episodes in your own life, and you think, yeah, mm. God was at work. You never saw it at the time, you never knew it at the time. God was at work. You're remembering when you, your life went that way. Could have gone this way, but it went that way. God brought this person into your life. And all the time, the unfolding providence of an almighty and an all-wise God is bringing about his eternal purposes in your life and in mine, for your good and for mine, and for his eternal glory. What a great consolation this truth is. How empty and absent of hope are all those who see no purpose in life and who have no assurance in death. But that's not you if you're a Christian. How sad are they who think that they hold in their own hands all that they will ever be in this world. But that's not you if you're a Christian. How many are those who live in bitter regret and resentment at the hand they've been dealt, as they might call it. But as a Christian, that's not you. You have a God who is in heaven and who does whatever he pleases. And all that he pleases to do he does for your eternal good and for his eternal glory. Our Lord and our God, how very good you are and how very great and wonderful indeed, O Lord, are all your works. Father, we pray that we might learn more and more to rest in them, to put our trust in you, to wait upon you, O Lord, to know every day that you are God, that you are so very good, that all our days are in your hand, all our days numbered by you even before they existed. And might these things, O oh Lord, fill us with hope and with strength. May they be our comfort and our peace. And as we remember, O oh Lord, that we ourselves and every day you give us are all of you. Might we use them wisely and diligently in your service and to your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen.